With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. As we see, some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, friggin' guy. Yeah, guy. <laughs> yeah, guy. People were so sad when the yeah guy went away for a week or two. The yeah guy so will never go away. Have it back. Spit. You're listening, David Lee Scales. I'm Scott Bass, and we are Spit, the Spit Podcast, where we talk about all things surf and perhaps some other pop culture anecdotes here or there. Good morning, David. Good morning, Scott. Spewing surf talk is what Spewing I like. Spewing surf talk. I like that. Um, so spit has is exists on its own feed now. Obviously, they can still get it where they've always gotten it for the next couple of weeks, but it does exist on its own feed. And listeners have been kind enough not only to follow it, but to leave reviews and ratings in iTunes oh, without cool. uh, without us even soliciting it. Actually, there's eight eight reviews, eight and reviews, and a bunch of uh, my mom, like- your mom. <laughs> <and> <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing my mom does listen by the way oh really she does so does what's my dad. her is it mrs scales no uh oh. she's remarried hoffman is the last name mrs hoffman yes you want to give her a shout out here's to Thanks you mrs hoffman no no not even close okay. that is so wrong that dude. was wrong huh? so wrong <laughs> Our, um, our uh, younger listeners won't even get that reference i don't think thank goodness uh one show, one uh, water boy, or yeah, water boy uh, on iTunes says, "SB and DS bring surfing from the water to dry land." Thanks for the dry hair paddle outs you guys present to us, Shaka. No, oh, so there's cool. one review. So again, the reason why I bring this up is listeners rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps the show grow, and honestly, it helps with our. Um, People find us basically when they go search the word surf in the podcast app, we're more likely to pop up if we have better reviews and ratings. So that's your way to support the show. And the website spitpodcast.com. Of course, we have our own website. We are, uh, we are up and live spitpodcast.com. So check that out and you can leave comments there as well. Yeah. Every past episode of spit now lives on that site. Every show or every episode that we've ever done together, even prior to it being named spit is all there. In its entirety, the complete archive. Guess how many shows we've done together? You told me. I want to say like, is it like uh, four hundred and something or hundred and something? 
90. Oh. <laughs> way to okay. oversell it so it made the real number sound way worse. <laughs> sorry. 90 episodes. How many years has it been? Since 2013. Wow. Like late Very 2013, nice. like maybe autumn 2013. But yeah, uh-huh. 90 episodes together, so quite a history there. Um and then, yeah, so spitpodcast.com, which isn't the website, is functional and like everything is, uh, the map is all laid out. It's just the aesthetics that we're going to be improving as we proceed. But Scott and I just did a really glamorous photo shoot that will serve the website well. So that was pretty yeah, exciting, Scott. I know. I'm super fired up on that. I could tell you've got a lot of um, experience doing photo shoots and stuff because it really shined when we were shooting right now. It was impressive. I don't know. I think you're, I'm not sure what to make of David. I think he's being sarcastic dude. at no. me, people. Rocking the different poses. Well, let's get right into it. The, unless, do you have emails or do you want to read some listener? No, go for it. Okay. Carla Rothman gets smashed by a nine foot surfboard. This is big news in the surf world, making the front page. Is there such a thing as a front page on a website? Yeah. Yes, there is. Making lead news on surfline.com and other, uh, Media outlets. It's a Surfline story, and then everybody else pulled from it, obviously, as we do. <laughs> <laughs> We're basically just surflinerehash.com. Yeah. Having a nine-foot gun stuck in a two-foot-thick lip on an eight-foot wave and landing directly on one's head while one is deep in a backside barrel is, by all accounts, a nightmarish scenario, said lead senior editor Marcus Sanders of Surfline. And he's referring to Cole Rothman, who... If you watch the video on Surfline, gets pulls into a beautiful and big, mean 10-foot backdoor barrel, a uh, backside, I should say, barrel. And as he's doing that, there's a surfer paddling out onto the shoulder who just ever so gently, nonchalantly, like that's what you're supposed to do, just slides off his board, lets his nine-foot gun get caught in the lip. And sure enough, it comes back and, and is a direct hit the kind of hit where when you see it and it's in slow motion you're like that could kill you i'm surprised it didn't kill him it's gnarly it's a direct hit to the face yes yeah broken teeth he swallowed some teeth apparently when he landed he swallowed some of his chiclets and uh head contusions a concussion and in many ways He's quite lucky, and in fact, Koa says as such. He's like, man, I, you know, and I don't know Koa Rothman, but by all accounts, he's quite the calm and demure and um, thoughtful and forgiving gentleman. He exhibited a lot of grace in the situation. Said he never even found out who the guy was. Like the guy apologized, and they parted ways, and nobody tracked the guy down. Like the guy's anonymous. Well, my takeaway from this is a couple of things. You mentioned one, the grace that Cole Rothman showed. Now, when you have a concussion and you've been hit, you're you're sort of traumatized. You're in a little bit of shock. You don't yeah. realize it. So you're not in this like, hey, man, screw you. Let's go, you know, toe to toe. Like that's you're like, oh, my God, I just got raked, you know. And so you're kind of just dealing with your own situation rather than trying to create more. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, this account of what happened took place in the Surfline offices a couple of days ago. And so he's had time to kind of get angry, and apparently he hasn't. Or, I mean, I'm sure he's disappointed in the guy's actions. But, you know, like you said, he, he carries himself with a ton of grace, which I've heard about hmm. 
Koa Rothman. Um, so that's one takeaway that Koa took this like an adult. And the second takeaway is um, I, it got me. Now, this isn't really a takeaway or a hot take or whatever, but it got me thinking about you and I and our principles that we laid out on the show and the idea of being leashless. And what led me to that was, you know, how come this guy just didn't duck dive that wave? Or how come this guy, knowing that he's kind of paddling his ass off to the shoulder to save his own ass, in spite of being, you know, potentially getting in the way of a surfer getting a great barrel, why didn't this guy just paddle inside, take his beatings, bail his board there where there was no going to be no drama to anyone else? And so all of that thought process that why didn't this guy do it the right way um and i thought you know what does surfing leashless and if the culture could embrace the concept of surfing leashless would this have helped this gentleman understand um his actions and, and now maybe that's a stretch maybe it's a stretch mm. i think it might be a stretch you know but because i think if you're leashless you you understand what it means for your board to not be in your yeah in your possession so to speak they talk about with the NFL remember way back in the day they used to not have proper helmets like we have them now they were just like leather helmets or whatever there were fewer injuries back then than there are now with all the gear because now the guys feel like they have impunity to run full speed head first into other people which in reality, you well, don't. And look where we're at. They exactly. all have concussions and are dying at the age of 50. Yeah, so they used to take it a little more seriously when there was a lot less to protect them. So I think your point is, if we were all leashless, you would treat it like a little more life and death. Well, let me back up. You're okay. right. But well, I'm not saying that this situation at this surf spot was a leashless situation. I'm saying in general, if you surf at your general generic surfing day where it's okay to be, not okay, but it's, it's not going to be dangerous to your board. You're not going to damage your board or lose your board or break your board. Um, you know, like you and I, we surf in Southern California generally on sand bottom yeah. areas. And these are areas where I think if everyone went leashless, when the time comes for a serious eight to 10 foot wave at a reef with where you are wearing a leash, where you understandably want to wear a leash, you will have um, a better, you know, sort of discernment of what's going on around you and who's around you and why is it around you. And oh, by the way, I do know how to duck dive because I've had to duck dive boards because I'm leashless most of the time. So I'm very concerned about not losing my board. I don't just let the leash act like a 2017 football helmet, which gives me impunity to just bail the thing and not worry about it. And, and, you know, so I, I kind of was thinking about that and I don't know, maybe a cup of coffee got me off on that tangent, but I was wondering, man, if did the leash, does the leash have a, have a, a spot in this situation, you know, like sort of from the 30,000 foot level over time, right. Our, our dependence on the leash. Do you think this guy was like, because he looked like he was like, yeah, that's, this is what you're supposed to right. do. He just seemed like, yeah, um, I might get taken out. I, it, he wasn't going to, but no. now's so, the time. Because the way he slowly just slid off this board and was nonchalant, like, this is what you do because this is what I've seen him do at Mavericks or whatever, you know? In the no. video. You know, I, it's funny. I clicked play on that video before I read any of the article or even the captions. And so while my brain was just processing it with none of that context, I thought – 
this is a bigger spot than maybe I've ever surfed. And this is certainly a spot I've never surfed. And they're riding bigger boards than I've ever ridden. So they must know more than I do. And the fact that he's out there and he's doing that, that must be the way to do it. So, you know, can you duck dive a nine foot gun? I don't think that you can. So I was factoring all that in and I just thought, oh, everybody did the right thing in this scenario. And it was a fluke, super chance. Uh, you know, uh, this is very happenstance, worst case scenario. But as I read the commentary, it basically everybody said, and even Koa and like the crew that he was with all said, no, that guy was a kook and you should never do that. And the same rules that I know from my surfing, my local beach on short boards apply wherever they were. And, um, then I started feeling pretty indignant about it and feeling like you're saying like, oh my gosh, this guy definitely was ill-equipped to be out in those conditions with those guys. You know, somebody on the Surfer Magazine message boards kind of stated it pretty good, and I'm paraphrasing, but he he said, look, nobody is going to ever thank you for it or acknowledge you for it, but the proper thing to do is just stay on the inside and take your beating and do do the right thing, as opposed to trying to beeline at top speed for the shoulder so you can escape the drama that's about to unfold on you and thereby putting somebody else who's riding the wave in danger. And he sort of nailed it. It's, it's a thankless thing, but it's the right thing to do. You know what I mean? To, to take your beating, to not run to the shoulder. I think though for, um, let's say a novice or intermediate surfer, which that guy might've been, you're not used to seeing professional level surfers make waves that are that fast and that good. So you think that you can just on any other day, you can actually paddle towards the shoulder because that guy's never going to make that section anyway. And so that would have been a safe move for him a lot of the time, you know, um, professional surfers surf a lot faster than non-professionals, you know, and make sections that you never would have thought they would have made. So that could have been a little bit at play too. I remember I, I surfed, um, I longboarded C Street a while, like a month ago or something, and there was a lot of novices out on this particular morning. Like it wasn't that good of a day, and I was riding a longboard and like making like nose riding sections and making sections that look like they're going to close out. But when you obviously get up there, you start going super fast, and everybody was paddling right in front of me. Like they saw me coming down the line from far away, and they start paddling towards the shoulder like this guy. And I can see my line and I'm going, that guy, what's he doing? He's going to paddle straight into my line, you know? And I'd see them recognize my line at a certain point and then kind of frantically start skitzing out and then like paddle back towards the other direction. And I'm just thinking, you know what? I'm going for it. You guys need to figure out how to get out of my way because I'm going for it. So I wonder sometimes if that is the case. You know, they're such rookies. I don't think this guy was a beginner. He had all these out there. He had all the equipment. He had the helmet. He probably had like an inflatable vest. He had the gloves, the webs, the whole deal. <laughs> so that's your argument for him not no. being a beginner? No. No, I'm just saying that there's a difference between like some kooks at Sea Street and a guy that's out on an 8 to 10 foot day in cold water with the proper full suit. And he had the proper gear. He was, I'm not saying he wasn't a kook. I, I'm saying he wasn't a beginner. Dude, the helmet is the ultimate defining fact like there's nobody in kind of um 
I don't know, an intermediate ripping stage that wears a helmet. It's either the biggest kooks in the world or Tom Carroll. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, no. Okay, you've got me here because old-time listeners will know that I used to wear a helmet oh, for a long time. Gosh. For a series of probably two or three years, every single session, I wore a helmet. And it has to do with a situation like this where I was. it was Thanksgiving Day. I was surfing. It was a crowded day in Southern California. And... A, a guy paddled for the shoulder, bailed his board. The board came back super fast, a big, heavy longboard, and was inches from just smacking. It just went whoosh, like it scared the crap out of me. It you would have killed it. me. Like I'm sure it would have taken out an eyeball or something. Yeah, really? I, I saw it, and I immediately went in on that wave, took off my wetsuit, drove to Encinitas Surfboards, and bought a helmet and wore one ever since for, for, like I say, two or three years straight, Wow! I wore a helmet. And I was neither Tom Carroll. I was closer to the absolute <laughs> beginner kook side of the spectrum than to the Tom Carroll side of the spectrum. Wow. And believe me, when you put a helmet on, you feel like a kook. <laughs> I, I so was you better say, surf dude, good. First of all, I'm shocked that that surf shop even stocked those helmets. Gath helmets? Yeah. And secondly, there's a little thing called dignity, Scott. And it's like worth more than your life, I think. <laughs> It's worth more than your eye, let's I'd say. Maybe be not dignified your life. and dead than alive and hey, dude, be a coup. Go out without wearing a helmet. I right. think that's the way to go. Right. Okay. Well. No, okay, maybe not your life, but it's worth your eye. I'd say <laughs> dignity is worth an eye. Wow. Well, that's where we uh we seem to disagree. I think the the other difference is you have kids and stuff, so that oh. makes things a little more valuable right. and precious, you know. Um so why did you stop wearing it then? Um, that's a good question. I think I, I just, I, I don't remember why. Maybe I lost it or I changed cars one time and it stayed in my car, my old truck and I had a new truck and, and then, you know, what happened is I, I remember actually, I didn't wear it for about two months and I'm like, Oh, I'm not wearing my helmet. You know, I was in the back of my head. I'm not wearing my helmet. And then I think my wife goes, hey, here's your helmet in the old truck. And she gave me the helmet. And I put the helmet in the new truck. And I drove and I didn't wear it. And I'm like, look, if you're going to have this piece of equipment in your car and not wear it, you're kind of a kook. Like, if you do get hit in the head and then you come back and you look at the helmet in your truck, that's bad. Yeah. So I just took the helmet, realizing I wasn't going to wear it. And I discarded the helmet from my sight so Mm -hmm. that at least... If I do get hit in the head with a board, I don't have to come back to my truck and look at the helmet that I should have been wearing. You're That's a, some backward-ass logic. You're a complex human being, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> <Let's>, that, <laughs> that was way too deep of a glimpse into the <laughs> stupidity that you're dealing with, David Lee Scales. Let's, let's actually yes. analyze your head Space. gear choices. Okay. But by the way, you need to know that while I was wearing a helmet, I listened to music. So I listened to music and had a helmet on for two plus you had years. Waterproof headphones. Yes, for two plus years. I would you would just be this close talking to me, and I'd just be like, I can't hear you. I'm listening to the Almond Brothers. You are such a weirdo, dude. <laughs> All right, so you know what? Your Embrace head- it, man. You know what? Surfers know are way can. too conservative. Oh, you got to do it this way. Oh, you got to do it this way. You're not cool. It's not that you have to do it this way. I'll it's do it whatever way makes me happy. It's not that you have to do it this way. It's that you absolutely shouldn't do it that way. That's no, what I'm arguing. No, no. <laughs> that's, where, that's when I go straight to that way and go, watch me. Um so let's analyze your headgear choices over the past couple of years. <laughs> this is going to make there's, a great pod. There's the Gath helmet. 
There's the visor, which you're a huge proponent no, okay, of. Okay, wait. Hold listeners on. don't remember. For listeners who haven't listened to the show more than a year or two ago, Scott was on the visor kick for a long period of time. Okay, visor this, gate. This is going to drive you crazy, but I used to wear the visor with the helmet. So You're making this I up I swear now. to God. I would put the visor on, then put the helmet on. No, then put the headset in, then put the helmet on. So I had a sunblock because the gaff helmets didn't have a visor. So I'd have... It was quite an ordeal getting ready for a surf. <laughs> Believe me, everything had to be just so. I had to adjust the armband to get the music thing going. You had zero <laughs> shame, dude. It was shocking. Bad. It is shocking. There's photos of me out there. Believe me. Well, listeners, dig those up and tweet them our way. Uh, you can find them right now. They're they're not um, hard to find. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah. Wow, and very confessional. I'm kind of surprised. You know what? I I have nothing to hide. My. Uh, you know, no, I, it's clear. I, what's the term? I will not. Uh, I will not begrudge the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. Hmm. Don't trip on that which is behind you. Is that your own variation on that quote? I don't. I just just random. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. <laughs> now where do we go with this horrible podcast? E- yeah. So spitballing. Well, let me actually um, read you Cole Rothman's quote from that day. He said, that was probably the most barreled I've ever been on a 9-0. It was an 8 to 10 foot wave. I was in the barrel and all of a sudden a flash of red. It was the guy's board. I put my, when I saw the flash of red, I put my head down a bit because I saw it coming straight at my face and it just cleaned me out on the side of my head. As soon as it happened, my teeth shattered together on top of each other, broken in half. And as soon as that happened... I hit the water and swallowed my teeth. Wow. I was like, oh, crap. I thought I crushed my eye socket. It hit me so hard. It was like a car accident. So that's oh, Koa Rothman's take. Now, Scott. Yes. To fly in the face of one of your um, core surfing beliefs that you gave us a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Let's figure out what spot he was surfing. I know. It's funny. Um, first of all, I want to applaud them for not saying which one it was yeah they went out of their way to not they did say. they did and i think that was good because let those guys have it you know like go find it yourself now now let's, let's try to out. figure it out <laughs> we know there was full suits yep we know it was this time of year i'm assuming it was, it was like, within the last month yeah it was um they said south pacific with full suits on they had full-on full suits so it could be like off South America somewhere, like off Chile or something. That's kind of what I'm thinking, but it was a right. So maybe it was one of the rights down there near Pico Alto or isn't there a right down there? Not that I'm aware of. I, I was assuming it was down in that area. Yeah. Because of the full suits in this time of year. Yeah. Um, it Could it have been somewhere in Spain or something like that? But they said South Pacific. But I mean, are but, we even believing that? Of course. Yeah. That could be a smoke screen. Yeah. Um, so... The wave looked, he said it's like Jaws, but even more, even easier to get barreled. Like the way that it kind of a peak and then it hits a section that just barrels perfectly down the line and it's crystal blue. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know. I can't think of any waves that are like that. It's a wave that I maybe even haven't seen before, you know? Yeah, it's, it was an interesting, it was a cool looking wave, cool looking spot. Um, I'm just thinking it was somewhere in South America, but. You know what? Who knows? Yeah, I don't know either. They've been Surfline's been doing this recurring series called Shadow Company, 
And it includes him, uh, Koa Rothman, Billy Kemper, Luke Davis, and Nathan Florence. And they've done a trip to the, some slab in the Caribbean, and they did a trip to Cloudbreak most recently and actually scored it. And then they do the, the photo feature on their website with a little bit of video and editorial and stuff. Um, Here's the other thought. They referred to this, by the way, as a remote desert outer reef in the southern hemisphere, actually. They didn't say South Okay, Pacific. so that look, so Carl Rothman, Goofy Foot, Skelton Bay, they've all been charging down there. We know there was swell at Skelton Bay. Maybe they went, hey, you know what? There's this other spot down by South Africa or even up into West Africa, up from Skelton Bay, where they found some spot. Mm. Maybe, because can't you see them being on that continent for the Skelton Bay sessions yes. and then like one day going, hey, down here. Six hours away. Let's go. It's yeah, you know, like that. Totally. So it could be the west coast of Africa down down south. Yeah. All right. Well, I bet listeners, somebody's got to know. There's got to be a listener who has surfed it and recognized. Well, let's this not. Let's con- let's just you and I. It's way funner to think about it than to somebody to just Google it up and go. Oh, here it is. What do you think? Should we stick to my principle or? I think we not need, stick to my principle. I like the. Uh, the idea of somebody just giving me the information for free <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> makes my life so much easier. Um, all right. Well, by the way, in regard to our principles, the surf principles, uh, a listener reminded me that Sean Thompson wrote that book a couple of years ago called The Code, which is exactly what it was, like 12 principles to live by. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So yeah, I, Sean's and, a good friend of mine. Yeah, and a number of them actually – are similar to ours, but, um, so I thought that was, I forgot. I had almost forgotten about that entirely. The thing about the code, you know, the thing about all rules and we always talk about this is that every situation is different. There's no tried and true, hard and fast. You must do it. You must do it this way because each situation just changes. You know, there's times when it's a good idea to power your way to the shoulder. Like you mentioned, you know, you can sometimes do that and it makes sense. And it's to the benefit of the surfer riding the wave that you did do that. Because maybe he's going to do a big cutback because the wave goes into a big hole. Exactly. Yeah, no, that is true. The way that Sean Thompson wrote that book was, these are principles that represent greater life truths. So for example, one of his principles is, um, I will paddle around the impact zone, right. meaning don't take shortcuts in life. I will take the drop with commitment, meaning have courage, focus, and determination in life. You know, It's geared for young adults, basically, for teenagers. So it sounds cheesy, but um, always paddle back out, meaning have perseverance in the face of challenges, that sort of stuff. Yeah, you know what? There's those rules at Rincon that are on. There's rules yeah, at yeah, the yeah. steamer land. And some of the rules, you, you just scratch your head. You're like, really? You want me to paddle onto the shoulder? Totally. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to get in your way. But yeah, Just totally. doing what the rules told me to do. Uh, so in other news, Scott, yes. John John Florence and Tyler Wright are up for ESPY awards. Oh. Are you familiar with the ESPYs? I, of course. Yes. Of course. ESPYs. They're nominated for Best Action Sports Athlete. Uh, John John Florence is up against Nigel Houston, freestyle skater Oyster Broughton, and Canadian snowboarder Mark McMorris, who's actually dating Coco Ho. 
Yeah, she, yeah, they've been dating for a long time. I don't know if they're still yeah. dating, but they oh, were dating for sure. Yeah, they're sure. not anymore, huh? I don't know. Based on her Instagram, you get the feeling they're not. Oh, really? Because there was a lot of like her yeah. and him together and her snowboarding, and, oh, and I'm okay. not seeing that quite as much. Yeah, Look maybe at us, not. Just, we're like forensic Instagram. TMZers. I wouldn't go that far. That's, <laughs> that's quite a threshold to meet. That's true. TMZers would never allow us to wear a helmet no, and a visor. No, um, so anyway, here's what's interesting about this list that I thought that's relevant to some of the conversations that we've had is a male has never won this. Uh, a male surfer has never won this award before, but multiple females have. Stephanie Gilmore won in 2011, 2013. Maya Gabieri won in 2009. Sofia Milanovic won in 2005. And so you and I, we've talked about men surfing versus women surfing in the past. It's interesting that outside of our little surf bubble, like in this greater realm of action sports, that women are more venerated than the men are. To the outside world, the women surfing has been winning awards. The men surfing has not. Hmm. You know, that's because that mainstream thing is like, let's get some cute women on the show. Do you think? Well, they, I mean, they're they're up against other female athletes that are arguably fulfilling that, what you're talking about as well. So I don't know that they're picking Steph Gilmore because she's cuter than another girl. I think the women surfing, to them, looks more spectacular. Like, to the outside world, the women surfing looks more interesting, maybe more spectacular, maybe more appealing for whatever reason than the men surfing does. Yeah, I think... I think- is we put ourselves in the minds of the producers of this thing, right? Okay. And you're like, okay, who are the women? And they're like, okay, Venus Williams, Serena Williams, um, Danica action, Patrick. Action sports. So it's okay. So it's Anna, Anna, Anna Gasser, who's like a snowboarder, uh-huh. American skater Lacey Baker, and Estonian freestyle skier Kelly Sildaru are all up against Tyler Wright. So a skier, a snowboarder, and a skater, and a surfer. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know why guys surfing isn't more represented in, in this thing. I, I, it's they get probably because they're they bored. Win. They're probably bored with Kelly Slater. They're like, okay, Kelly Slater Maybe. again. You know, like really, we're gonna do Kelly Slater again. Let's just get some like street skater, Nigel Houston, or somebody. You know, like yeah, that's who's nominated. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's just that Kelly, Kelly was older, so long. and he was just older than the older than the demo. Yeah, you know? maybe that's what it was. John John's perfect for him. I was just curious if. To you and I who are analyzing this thing under a microscope, we could tell the difference between Kelly Slater's top turn at lowers versus Coco Ho's. And so you and I go, oh, Kelly is the better surfer. But to the outside world, yeah, they're not no. viewing it the same way that we are. No, absolutely. I watch like street league skating a lot because my son watches it. He's okay. all into it, which is how I know Nigel Houston's name. Sure. But point is, is like I have no idea. Like I'm like, really? Why is that one? Like you'll hear the announcers go, "Oh, he just nailed it!" You know, and they're all excited. And I'm like, really? I I could not tell the difference between that and what the guy right before him did. Like the the nuance there is, you got to be negligible on the know. Or, totally. Because my son's like, "Oh my god, that was insane! Did you see that?" And I'm like, "No, I was watching it, but uh, show me, tell me what happened." Yeah, but don't you agree? Like that's if, what I'm saying. That the yeah. girl to them, the girl surfing is like, wow, that's. That's rad. Good for them. Let's get her. She's incredible. And the the added degree of Stephanie's Gil, Stephanie Gilmore's grace and flow and all that sort of thing actually has greater appeal. You know? Yeah. Whether she's blowing the fins out or not is irrelevant, or doing an air or whatever is irrelevant. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. I just I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, reverse corollary to the you know actual performance standards. By the way, staying with the TMZ topic for a second, did you hear Jack Freestone and Alana Blanchard are having a baby? Yeah, I'm so I, exciting, dude. So exciting. Are you excited? I cannot wait. You know who's bummed? <laughs> Every male in America in the world. The guy's a rip girl. Those bikini, those bikini sales just took a dive. Ouch. That's too bad. Maybe they'll be making baby clothing and they can make up for it there. I mean, seriously, like onesies. The Lana Blanchard brand was killing it. Yeah. And I'm super happy for Jack and Alana. I don't know them, but I mean, right? That's cool. It's going to be a beautiful baby. Yeah. It's going to grow up in a beautiful state. It's it's all good. But from a business standpoint, do you think they're like the Rip Curl guys are in a boardroom just kind of biting their tongue like you are right now, just biting their lip going, yeah, congratulations. (laughs) Deep down inside, they're going, oh, shit, we better... We better project some losses for the next quarter. Yeah, they might be. Oh, I'm sorry. Or we need to find a new bikini. We need, we need to find somebody to fill that. Like she's run her course, and we knew Alana was going to run her course, just like Anna Kornikova and all of these beautiful women. At some point, you either it's kind of like pro surfers. You you get off the tour and you got to become a big wave guy or whatever. You need yeah. like Alana 2.0, and that could be Rip Curl baby clothes. Who knows? Right. You know. But there needs to be a 2.0. She needs to reinvent herself. Or just become a beautiful mother, which she's going to be, and just kind of do her own thing. She made some good money, and she's off and doing her own deal and living in Kauai, and that's a killer too. But Rip Curl needs to now find the next Alana Blanchard. Yeah. Well, what do you think this does for Jack Freestone? Wow. Like being a young father on tour. And Felipe Toledo, by the way, there's a bunch of guys. Like, a, it's, well, let's just with, focus on okay, Jack. Okay. I don't know his mental situation. Like, I don't know Jack Freestone. I, I couldn't tell you if he's like crumbles out under pressure when there's a three foot putt on the line, or if he steps up and drains it and goes, "Give me another one." You know, like what? Because because and I bring up stress and pressure because all of a sudden, okay, now I have to take care of a baby and Alana. Maybe I don't know what their situation is. And that means that now I have to go and do better than I've been doing. He's been doing well. He's been doing, you know, moderate, like yeah. not bad. He hasn't yeah. he made doing better than he used to do. He made the final last year Yeah, in Rio. Like he's done fine. Yeah. He's, he's come through when he needed to, to stay yeah. on. So the, that's a question that I can't answer. What does this mean for Jack Freeston? I think time will tell. Well, let's find out at J Bay in a week, you know? The fact that um, he's having a baby, I wonder if he's going to show up wearing a gaff helmet at J-Bay. With a visor. (laughs) Because the sun (laughs) sets in a weird place there. Life is more precious now. No, the sun, it's the morning, the sunrise, right, that blinds you going into the right J-Bay. A visor either way. A visor will help, for sure, in the morning sesh. Um, I just wonder, like, you look at performance levels of guys on tour who, like, on their span on tour, they got married and then they had kids. And how does that affect their performance level? And of course, that is happening as they're aging as a surfer as well. So there's more variables at play than just the marriage or the kids. But, you know, what it, what does it take to win a world title? It takes dogged persistence and focus. And those things the, distract from those. I think the grinder guys like Adriano, the Hobgoods remind, bring, come to mind. The Hobgoods, the Adrianos, the guys that are just grinding the tour. And then I think having a kid helps those guys because they're like, I'm blue collar anyway. Here I am. This is what I got to do to get through this heat. I got to paddle out here, catch the third wave of the set, ride it to here, do two of those. 
you know, like they fully have plotted it out. They're methodical. And then there's like freewheeling whoever, freewheeling Johnny guy on tour who's like, oh, no, I got a kid. Uh, you know, take me to the pub. Yeah. Or does it just – I'm wondering too, as I was saying, that it creates a distraction. I'm wondering if maybe it doesn't really create a distraction. It just – intensifies the seriousness of everything maybe you don't run out of focus maybe it makes your focus hyper alert well look some guys are going to thrive on on tons of focus and do really well and I, like it's kind of like letting go with slater it's like yeah. when slater hangs on and grips too hard he doesn't seem to do as good but when he's a little bit more lousy fair like hey you know what i'm just gonna go out and free surf and i'm so good oh look i'm lighting it up yeah and so it just depends, each guy's different how Jack Freestone will respond to this. Yet to be determined. I think initially it won't affect him until the baby's born and the bills are rolling in. Right. Um, apparently, word was he has a million dollar a year contract with Billabong. When, oh. When he got on tour, he signed for a million bucks. He was going to be like Parco's replacement, basically, as Parco's phasing out his career. Right. And Jack hasn't delivered on those promises. And Parco, by the way, is doing phenomenally well. Well, like you know, Parker. Jack's that we're in that weird space where he's he's part free surfer, drop and edit guy, and he's part CT guy. So he's kind of he's he's in a good transitionary spot for when Parco, which apparently is retiring this year. Well, yeah, un unconfirmed, but yeah, right. So he's in that good space where he can he can transition to a CT guy, maybe put four good years together, and then go back and be 28, 29 years old and be incredible free surfer guy who was in the top 10 four years prior. Yeah, not top 10, but we'll, well, see. we'll see. We'll see. You don't think he's top 10 in the next four years? I don't know. You know, it'd be funny if you're the one who argued for him to be because... I, I think I see him as being on the rise competitively. He seems focused for whatever reason, like... Believe yeah. me, I'd be the first to go, see, I told you so, Jack Freestone, blah, 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 too much, too soon. Or but what? I sense that uh, he's he's kind of got a game face on. I really like the guy. As a surfer, I think he's phenomenal. I just, I had higher hopes for him when he um, qualified for tour than he's ever delivered on. But yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Like I said, see how the baby affects that. He's currently sitting number 26th on the world title he has a third place finish this year and the rest have all been 25ths the third place was at the second event at margaret river let me so, spit this out at you hit it in late march pro surfer kelly slater rode into a beautiful beachfront house on the north shore of oahu kelly purchased a home for 7.8 million and um the 8,000-square-foot home is, quote, built like a fortress for the elements. The desirable home actually received 10 offers, but the seller chose Kelly Slater, even though his bid was not the highest. Hmm. The seller, and I quote, felt that Kelly Slater was the right person to carry on the home's tradition, said the realtor. So Kelly Slater purchasing a gorgeous, massive mansion in Haleiwa, Right on the beach. Good for him. It's a beautiful home. You can see it online. You can go online and check it out. Where should we go? How about spitpodcast.com? Spitpodcast.com. We'll post photos. Um, yeah, good for him. Yeah. I, I good feel, stuff. I feel like he's always kind of under, he's lived under his um, means, you know, below his means. He yeah. seems to be a pretty conservative spender, I would say. 
And uh, just from my little experience that I have I've watching heard, him on Instagram. I've, I've heard that he's tight. Yeah. That's no secret. It Everyone isn't. will oh, okay. tell you that for whatever reason, Kelly likes to watch his pennies. Good for him. Yeah, right? for sure. You know, it's his money. No one else tells him what to do with it. Um, I remember at some point looking up on like celebritynetworth.com or something what his worth was. Maybe this was like three or four years ago. It wasn't that long ago. And it was like 15 mil. That's what they had it estimated a at. Net worth of fifteen mil. Yeah. Huh. So they just they just bullshit that stuff. No one really knows. I was wondering what I mean. What what do they use to figure well, it out? They, they just sit here like you and I and go, okay, let's see. He owns part of the WSL. The WSL is worth not much, so that's and he yeah. owns a third of that. So let's give him three hundred grand there. And how many houses does he own? Well, that's public information because you pay property taxes. So and then they dig up how many homes he owns and then they figure out, you know, that, you know, and so they just kind of just spitball the number and it's a loose number. $15 million is like, okay, plus or minus 15 million. You know hmm. what I mean? Like that's how kind of off they can be. Okay. And I think they always go to the high side because it makes for better press. Sure. But again, I'm just riffing with you right now on how that comes about. Yeah. They don't call Kelly and go, give me your net worth. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm psyched for him. Um, I always think about it too. Like when I see, I've heard him talk about, obviously he's traveling the world all the time. And, um, he's just here, by the way, he was just playing golf. I know up here in Oceanside with my buddies. He was surfing lowers the last couple of days too. Yeah. My buddy said they played golf with him. He was on his phone the whole time. Like didn't get off his phone. Like literally put the phone. Yeah. Talking Talking on it or like Instagram staring at it. Talking. Like he was on a phone, like a conference call or something. And (laughs) And he put it on his phone, hit his shot, pick up his phone. And like my buddies would try to talk to him and he'd be like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm on the, hold on. I'll be right with you. (laughs) Did they get paired up with him or how did that work? Yeah. They're friends with him. And they played, I think they played 18 holes and then Kelly joined them for another nine holes, like right at sunset or whatever. And, uh, it's on Instagram. There's pictures of it on Instagram if, hmm. you, if you follow the right guys. Well, do you want to share those names? I'm off the air, I'll tell you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I don't want to be ruining my sources. I don't want to be... Ruin them, dude. We need Kelly. Give us some info. <laughs> I just did. Um, What is his net worth? Tell us He's right now. He's a good golfer, I'll tell you that. Yeah, well... You got to be bummed if it's like the one time you get to see your buddy Kelly Slater this no, year, these, and then he shows up and he doesn't. No, these interact. guys hang out with him all the time. It okay. wasn't like these all guys; right. they're kind of like there's business going on with these yeah. guys. It's it's not like he showed up and was being a dick about it. He right. was just like, "Yeah, let me join you. I got to make this call. Hold on, you know." And it just right, you know. Did you see he posted that Instagram of the shark jumping out of the water at lowers? Yes, it's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. What's up with that, dude? We've really not talked about shark considering how much shark talk there's been in the surf world we have not talked about it at all on this show we have i've gotten listeners almost every after every show i get a note from a listener like how come you guys didn't comment on the shark attack at whatever beach and it's funny i used to live on shark attacks like when i was on the terrestrial radio like they love when a shark attacks a beautiful girl in a bikini you know like that's like the perfect yeah and so sharks would lead almost every show I would do. <laughs> I'd yeah. be like, there's been another shark attack. And you know, all of a sudden people would light up the phones and you get all these phone calls. But the reason that I don't bring it up is it's been overkill. It's almost like really everyone's talking about it. Do we need to? And really, what is there to talk about? There's sharks in the ocean. Yeah, there seems to be more great whites than normal, but not really. They've been around for the last eight years at least around San Onofre yeah. and the Lowers area. And okay, you know, there's yeah. sharks. like. 
you know, because the news like there's been a shark sighting. Yeah, well, I was at SeaWorld and saw a shark. You know, why don't you open mm-hmm. the news with that? I mean, that's my point. Like they're everywhere. They're even at SeaWorld. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I it's not. I have no commentary on it either. Like I don't know the science behind it. I don't know if it's actually there's more numbers, there's less numbers. It seems to be reported more. I have no idea, but I have nothing of interest interesting to say about it anyway. You know, I think David and I will talk about a shark when a shark attacks a surfer. Right. I think at that point, it's like, yeah, shark attacked a surfer. I can it's, tell you what's going to happen. Shark attacks surfer, spits him out. Surfer bleeds out due to a femoral artery hemorrhage. And everyone's going to say, it's shark man-eater. No, the shark was just going up there to see what was going on and chewing on it. Yeah. And, of course, he's gonna, you're going to get your femoral artery ruined um, and bleed out. If they want to eat you, they won't find you. They will eat you and digest you. Like The ones course. that are found are just... It's almost it's shocking that there aren't more attacks though, considering all the sightings. You know what I mean? I'm just glad they're not like bull sharks or nurse sharks. Like the mean ass sharks, tigers are really tigers are the ones that'll eat you and you won't find, you know. Yeah. Um those ones, like the ones in the um Reunion Island area, mm-hmm. those ones are mean. Yeah, those like pit bulls. They're pit bulls. Yeah. They won't stop. Great whites around here, they're just gonna nibble on you and go, No thanks, I'm looking for a tuna. Right. All right. Look at me, like a friggin' shark expert. Apparently, dude. Covered it so much on the terrestrial radio. Speaking of sharks, the Walk of Fame has put out its list of 2017 honorees. I did not see The Surfing Walk of Fame. In Huntington Beach, California? Yes. 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 There's going to be a riot. (laughs) (laughs) And um, dog, speaking of pit bulls, the guy that they're going to enshrine as the cultural surfing icon is just, it's called Huntington beach guy. And he's, they're going to have, they're going to unveil a bronze statue of a guy with socks up to his knees, shorts down to his ankles, really white Adidas high tops, a wallet with a chain hanging out of it that goes down to his knees. He's going to have sideburns, a backwards cap, a little goatee, some stoned red eyes. You, and, for, you forgot the wife beater tank top. And the wife beater tank top. Thank you. And that's going to be one of the Surfing Walk of Fame honorees. And it's just to, just in, to generically enshrine all of you. In bronze, though. In bronze. Right. Right. Okay, perfect. And in addition to the, to the generic Huntington Beach guy, Barton Lynch will be inducted into the Surfing Walk of Fame as the surf champion. Jeff Hackman wins in the category of surf pioneer. Mr. Jim Jenks goes in as surf culture. Do you know Jim Jenks? OP. Okay. Ocean Pacific. Started Ocean Pacific. I went to high school with his sons. Hmm. And he's from the San Diego area. Jim Jenks, Ocean Pacific. Started it out when he worked at Hanson's in Encinitas. Goes, hey, I'm going to make some shorts. They started OP. And he went on to mega, Jeez. mega millions and, and really it? affected surf culture. Jim OP was sort of that 70s era. He was like at the right place at the right time. He really sort of broke down the the barrier that maybe like the Hang 10s and some of those early 60s brands had where they weren't necessarily going to be found at, say, JCPenney. Well, OP really found its way into specialty retail i.e. surf shops and then made its way into was the first one to kind of break its way into the mainstream retail outlets how long has hansen's been there then 
Uh, Hanson's is Hanson's was down by Cardiff Reef first in the '60s, early '60s. But I mean, if Don it, Hanson, yeah, I just didn't realize it's pre-OP. Oh yeah, wow, no, uh, '60s, early okay. '60s, awesome. Timmy Reyes is your local hero, and he will be the guy that unveils the Huntington Beach guy. Okay, perfect. He's pulling back the curtain. He'll be pulling it back, yeah. I like it. Pam Burridge, woman of the year. Awesome. Do you know Pam Burridge? Australian surf champion. Was punched by Johnny Boy Gomes in Hawaii? No, I didn't know that story. Look it up. Dude, that's the when I, I hear just, the name Pam Burge, I think of the incident with Johnny Boy Gomes. You got to give that story. Well, I'm going to butcher it. Somebody else will know it better. The best thing to do is to look it up online. It might even be on Matt Warshaw's Encyclopedia of Surfing. But at some point, Johnny Boy Gomes got all misogynist and was like, oh, "Get out of here! You don't belong here!" You know. And Pam's an Australian, so she probably went, "Hey, screw you!" And um, Johnny Boy Gomes, I think some slaps went down. Hmm. And I don't condone that behavior, by the way. Definitely not. The Huntington Beach High School 50th anniversary coaches, Bill Garland, Bruce Gabrielson, Rob Hill, Chuck Allen, and Andy Verdone will be inducted along with the other guys in the honor roll. So the 2017 Surfing Walk of Fame, that happens August 3rd at the tail end of the U.S. Open of Youth Lifestyle. Not the official name, by the way. <laughs> oh, U.S. Open of Surfing, where yes. there's music, skateboarding, BMX, art, and a QS, and a woman's CT. There's a woman's CT, which is important. Absolutely. So Tyler Wright will be there. There you and go. Stephanie Gilmore. Yep. The Princess Diana mm. of Surfing. Um, they should just bring her down to the beach like in one of those, you know how like an ancient, was it Roman times or, or no, no, the pharaohs, the ancient Mediterranean times like a, along the Euphrates River where they would carry the princess along their shoulders in a very decorative sort of chair. They should carry her down to the beach for each and every heat that way. Sounds Stephanie like a great Gilmore. idea. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so while the women, by the way, while their next event is the U.S. Open of surfing, the next event for the men's is the J-Bay Open, the Corona J-Bay Open, right. as it were, um, which looks like it's about five days away now. By the way, I want to let people know, Fantasy Surfer, if you want to play Fantasy Surfer, uh, join us. Join us, FantasySurfer.com. David, try to beat Scott. Which is pretty easy to do this season. It's easy to are, beat David. We are doing horribly. Wait, speak for yourself. We both are. I'm doing more horribly, is that but we're a, both doing horribly. That sounds like something I would say, more horribly. Well, dude, is it's Is that a even fact. a correct phrase? Don't know, more, but it's bad. It's bad. It's getting ugly. Oh, man. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> go to fantasysurfer.com. Go to the clubs. Search for spit. You could join the club. Um, but here's the deal. If you want to wager... You have to send me your handle with your wager. I'm getting so many wagers nowadays where they just send me the $10 bet with no name attached to it. And I got to email everybody back and be like, hey, guys, send me your name. I cannot pay you out if you win. And a lot of times it's people who have been doing it for the last couple of years. So they assume that I know what email address is attached to which name. Right. But there's 30 people who have been doing it nonstop. So I don't know who's who. I just need it there in the email. So if you decide to wager... Please do it, uh, or please send me your name with your wager. Now, That's I would plea. reckon that this year, most guys, most of us are just sort of middle of the road. It's been a hard year to just ride Gabe Medina to victory every time. You know what I mean? Like, 
Totally. It's been a tough year, it's, which isn't a lot of parody for the first time in a long time. Very topsy-turvy year, yeah. for sure. A bunch of different winners of a bunch of different events. Um, very unpredictable. Owen Who Wright returning. Um, I'll look him up. But Owen Wright returning to form was completely unexpected. Right. That's a good you one. You know? Um, so, yeah, it's been crazy. The person who won the last event in our clubhouse in terms of wagers had less than 800 points. Yeah. You know, and sometimes... That's my point. Like, Sometimes people have a 1,000 when they yeah. win the thing. So, yeah, it's been crazy. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free that's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Who are your picks going into J-Bay? I haven't picked anyone. I haven't I haven't done that. Um, I'll have to take a look at it. It's, it's so hard to do these days, but Gabe Medina will be on my team. Okay. I sense that he needs to do something. Yeah. Uh, John John Florence will be on my team. Kelly Slater will be on my team. And from there, I really need to kind of start looking at middle of the road guys. Middle of the, I need to I need to find like I might hideously have to put somebody like Adriano on the team. It's a good safe bet. It's dude. a safe bet. But do you want to spend nine million bucks on Adriano? No. How yeah. much is Jordy? Jordy's probably pricey. 11. I think he's the most expensive. I see Jordy going down here. He, he comes home. He's like, it's, oh, Jordy's going to do great at J-Bay. And- My buddy sent me the WSL's little teaser clip of Jordy shredding J-Bay. And he yeah. goes, my bet is Jordy goes out in round two. And I, my reply to that was, my Wouldn't- bet is that Jordy wins the event. Oh, my. I think you hear that, people? If you so- want to beat <laughs> David Lee Scales this week. So, Take Jordy off your team and hope for the best. I'm going against you right now. I think you should. Jordy's out. Okay, let's do it. I'm doing Here's it. Here's the wager. I'm gonna All I'm right. gonna beat you again. Done. 
so Jordy, Do we have a yearly thing like at the end of the year, the winner between you and I wins. Yeah, two years ago it was about Bruce and I won the hundred bucks, and then the net, last year it was about Slater and you won the hundred bucks back. So we'll have to we got to do it at Pipeline though. Oh, so it's just a one event thing. Yeah, Pipe. Yeah, I think so. That's what it's been. So Jordy is the most expensive person in the clubhouse uh, or on the roster, eleven million two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So Jordy is an expensive buy, but he's kind of the the key player on my list. And I know that he has a tendency to falter, but I do think this is a world title run for him this year. He's currently sitting in third. He's already won one event this year. And um, I think that this is his event where he just like stamps his authority and makes his presence known and takes it. All right. Who's your Who's your pick for the event? Just give me one. You don't have to give me your full team. Mm. Just who's your pick for the event? I I think my pick for the event is um, Gabe. Really? Yeah. Goofy foot winner. Yep. Might be the first Brazilian to ever win J-Bay if he does. I just sense that he's in a place where no one's really even talking about him. No one's really thinking about him. I mean, I know he's one of the top five guys on tour, but he's he, 11th right now. I know his rank's not there, but we got to admit he's number, yeah. he's in the top five yeah. on tour and everyone's talking about Jordy. Everyone's talking about John, John, everyone's oh, yeah. talking about Kelly. Everyone's talking about Wilco. Like Gabe's not really on anyone's radar. And I think he can just go crazy. Okay. You know, he, you know what I mean? He's kind of in that, that zone where he, he, it wouldn't surprise me to have everyone go, oh, yeah, well, none of us were thinking about Gabe Medina. That guy's actually pretty damn good. Yeah. He's definitely been overshadowed by go- other goofy footers this year. Connor yeah. O'Leary, even, Owen Wright. So you asked who's won events this year. Owen Wright, John John Florence, Jordy Smith, Adriano DeSouza, Matt Wilkinson. And the current, the past, the defending champion at this event, Jay Bay, is Mick Fanning. All of those that you mentioned don't surprise us. Maybe we'll go a little bit. No, remember, we're giving him credit now. If I was to tell you at the beginning of the year, here's the guys who will have victories by this point, at the halfway point, we'd all go, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So the parity really comes in between like second place and 10th place. Mm -hmm. You know, like the Conroe Leary, who, you know, and other such namesakes where you're like, oh, who knew? Right. Um, and actually, the parody really comes from the top guys not performing. Right. A lot of round three top seeds eliminations. Completely. Um, Surf Park Central. Yep. I've got an update for you. Okay. Number one, the Wave Garden team. Recently, this is old news, but I'm just going to go down the list. I want you to know what's happening in the surf park world. Things are happening, moving, shaking taking place that we don't even realize because it all just kind of like goes on without anyone that lives on the coast thinking about it. All right. But the surf park world is sneaking up on us, David. I'm so excited to learn about it. We all know that uh, the Wave Garden Cove prototype is insane. We've seen videos of the pros riding it. They've all claimed it's in. And that's just a small little proto. It's not even the big version. We've recently seen Mateus Hurdy riding this thing in the Basque country of Spain. So the Wave Garden Cove is exciting, and it's exciting people. Number two, the Inland Surf Park in Texas has opened its doors for the 2017 season. There were some setbacks, 
But the fact of the matter is, it's open. And by the way, I just realized I got an email from somebody who visited there. See if I can bring it up in a minute. But well, you had tickets to go, and then the they shut the park down and refunded or postponed it or whatever. Are you yeah. going back? Yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna go. I've never been. I want to take take advantage of my buy in there. Your credit, so, yes. But you haven't scheduled it. No. Okay. But um, I got an email from a guy who had his layover in Austin and went and surfed it and was like, did it on a whim, didn't plan it, just happened to be in Austin and he said it was killer. Really? Super fun, super and and there's recently Josh Kerr was there. I don't know if you saw his Instagram where he was there with his kids, and he was ripping. Hmm. And it just looks like a rippable fun scenes, but they're back open. They had that liner issue where the liner of the pool ripped. You sure that Josh Kerr footage wasn't him wake surfing the back of his boat? Because I see that footage on he's on his everywhere Instagram all the time. He really he is, lives dude. the life. No kidding. He's like golfing somewhere, and then he's wakeboarding, and then he's always in Austin. Wake. Yeah. And then big wave, catching a giant wave somewhere in the world, then back in. Now he's in Belito doing the QS event. It's just like nonstop. So the Inland Park in Texas, Austin, is back opened. And I quote Doug Coors, the Inland Surf Park founder and CEO, spearheading innovative technology is not for the faint of heart. That's code for we had a problem last year. The response from the global surf community has been humbling, and we are eager to showcase our updated lagoon and amenities for 2017. So if you're a surfer, I think a bucket list item should be uh, riding a wave park, wherever it may be. And for you and I living here in California, flying to Texas, seeing a show, eating a killer steak, and going surfing to check it out, just to be able to say, yeah, I did it. I either did like it or I did not like it. It's something that you as a globe, you're kind of a globe trotter. I see you all over the place on Instagram. Like you're in Cuba or you're like somewhere drinking wine with somebody or you're who knows where you are. You're, you know, or you're in like Culver city. <laughs> I Dude, I am the Josh Kerr of the podcast world. I think I'm you are going to Costa Rica tomorrow night. Are you really for a week? Wow. Good for you. See, dude, all over. Where are you going? Negra. Oh, you're so stoked. So stoked. I love that wave. And the waves are good. Like the forecast is this good. wave forecast is really good. Yeah. Are you going to meet Tony there? Yeah. Is, is he going to take photos of you? Because I need to see fo- TR. Send oh. me photos of Dave Scales. No one knows how this guy surfs. And we need to see photos. So I was actually, after we had that conversation a while back, I was going to send you a couple of photos because I do have photos of me surfing somewhere. And I, I want real photos. Yeah, no, these are legit. I mean... My surfing isn't legit, but like the photos are from like somebody with a decent camera anyways, not iPhone photos. I was going to send them to you. I didn't quite dig them up. And then I decided not to dig deeper because you're probably going to use them against me. I was like, I could just see the Photoshop now. (laughs) So I decided not Uh, to, but we should probably have a user Photoshop contest. Anyone can Google my name and they can Photoshop the crap out of it and send it to David and Scott. Yeah, and we should probably do that. that. Would be fun for the the listeners. Yeah, you've gotten a few good photos over the years. Yeah, I've got a few. Yeah, number three, Surf Lakes with Aki as its ambassador. So we mentioned this a couple of episodes ago, right? Yep. This is the time. first dedicated surf park to commence construction in Australia. Initially, it will be used as a demonstration site, very similar to what Wave Garden or what Kelly Slater did. They're just going to build a wave. They're not going to, it's not for commercial purposes. It's more to, it's more for proof of concept so that then people can go, Hey, we love your 
technology can we license it? So mm-hmm. Surflakes with Aki, that's not going to be something where the masses can go to it, but it will be a proof of concept. Number four, the Wave Factory City Wave invites you, David Lee Scales, this summer, spend it surfing in the middle of Zurich, Switzerland. Mm. So there's a small little flow wave there. It's it's on right now. Today you could be riding it. It's probably the size of this conference room, maybe twice. So it's a small little thing. It's a flow wave. It's not a full-on barrel wave. You'll be a little bit underwhelmed if you went there. But the beauty is, is that you're in Zurich, Switzerland. And David, you're having a Pinot Noir <laughs> as you're you know, doing a podcast with the guy who invented it while whilst watching somebody ride it. And then you go and you ride it. So when you kind of take the whole into, the perce- into your perception, understanding all of the goodness around you, yeah. the smallness of the little flow wave, sort of minor relative yeah. to the fact that there's going to be beautiful blondes sitting by your side. Keep Number talking. five. Wave Garden Scotland, the company which hopes to develop Scotland's first artificial wave park, has submitted its planning application after receiving overwhelming positive feedback from public consultation. So, in an unprecedented scenario for major application of this type, there were zero objections raised. So, Wave Garden Scotland is well on its way to breaking ground. Number six. The proposed urban surf park in Perth appears to be hitting some political roadblocks. With the emergence of the lease details last month, local activists have formed a coalition called the Alfred Cove Action Group. Their objective is to stop the development of the urban surf park in Perth. They currently have two petitions circulating, which have garnered over 3,000 signatures, And one of the objections is the way city officials in Melville, which is where the park will be, how they moved the proposal forward. The city has acted to suppress public criticism of their reports and actions and repeatedly provided incorrect or confusing responses to ratepayer questions, said the action group's spokesperson. Quite apart from its unhealthy determination to place the wave park in a highly unsuitable location, there was also the matter of a senior city officer owning shares in the proponent's company from the outset. Oh, my. Additionally, he reportedly played a role in drafting the lease, which will remove the Melville Bowling Club, which is like what the old people do there, right? They go to the bowls a lawn bowling organization from their current greens. That's like, that's in Australia to do that. That's got some balls. You can't Mm. just move the bowling club. That's a big deal. Um, Cahoon says he declared his involvement with the company back in 2013. And the, and the presently the city of Melville is following his lead. The public sectors commission is investigating for any potential misdeeds. But there's obviously some politics there that happened the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Something in the back room. Give me shares. I'll get your thing through. Right. Well, don't worry. We'll, we'll ramrod this thing through. And so that one is, I think, an example of the way not to do business. And then, of course, on top of that, your friend and mine, Chaz Smith, on Beach Grit, had some news about Kelly Slater's uh, Wave Park, which was, I don't know. Do you remember? 
Can you yeah, well, yourself? he was talking about there's potentially going to be a WSL or QS, QS yeah. event, but WSL QS event. Right. And I was thinking about that in relation to what you were talking about, where like the world tour, obviously this would be a QS event, not a world tour event, but the world tour, you and I were agreeing, should be about the best waves in the world, right? right? right. And like the highlight of the show is the waves itself. Yes. Once you put it into a wave pool, well, now the focus is the maneuver and the surfer themselves. Right. And our good buddy, Tony Roberts, who you just mentioned, actually left a pretty interesting comment on Instagram after our last show. And he disagrees with our sentiment that the waves should be the highlight. Tony says... I surf every day of my life, and I still do. The best comps to watch, in my opinion, are the ones that are about the maneuvers, all about the surfer. I want to see comps in rippable combo waves. My favorite events, lowers, snappers. Chopes is a great event, but Jerry Lopez could still make heats out there. You think it's all about the wave, but I strongly disagree. I want to see a tour where Matt Miola and the like are raising the bar with the judging criteria that rewards high risk and progressive surfing. The architect of progressive surfing, Martin Potter, constantly praises conservative approach because of this present criteria. I remember when above the lip surfing was written off because many shot callers in the day couldn't do it and they were threatened by it. Now it's a big part of the judging criteria in rippable waves. Um, something where we could never have imagined. Kelly Slater and Magna Martinez came up with a format for Quicksilver for a Quicksilver specialty event a few years back in Panama. Surfers were scored on best air, best turn, and best barrel. It was insane, best comp ever, and you had to go big. They just basically tallied all three scores, and the winner took all. That being said, love the tour, love the webcast, and I watch every event. End quote. Well, it's hard to argue against what he just suggested. Um, but I just sense that if if the, if it, if it's two to three feet at lowers, or let's say it's never two to three feet, it's always chest high at lowers. Let's say it's three to four, two to four at lowers. What are we going to see? Guys going left and doing a boost at the end of the wave. This day and age, that's not that big a deal. No. And so what we want to see is guys doing turns on the very first opportunity out the back and do, busting airs. Yeah. And obviously making it. Now, if they make it, they're going to get rewarded extremely well, right? But it's not as exciting as watching cloud break. Or in my it's mind. not as exciting as watching eight foot lowers. Right. Like our whole thing is find the best, best waves. waves during that month, yeah, wherever it is. It could be blacks. It could be lowers. It could be... Um, Baja Malibu. I don't know. But I think if you put the best surfers in the world or even, the, you know, and there's a lot of best surfers in the world. We, we mentioned that. But I, I agree with in you. In great waves. Great. Yeah. Everyone's going to be psyched on watching it. Totally. I, I guess I agree with Tony, but I still think, I think that the scenario I, that you painted creates an opportunity to elevate both things. So once you put the best surfers in the best waves at cloud break, they will then be doing turns that we previously only saw at lowers. Now we're going to see them done at cloud break in eight foot waves. You know what I mean? So I don't think that it's one or the other. And I think if we pander down to the lowest common denominator, which is rippable lowers, we're just going to continue to see, I don't know, incremental growth over the years rather than kind of huge leaps and bounds. That's what I think. Whatever, guy. 
<laughs> Give me more than a whatever guy. No, you're right. I, 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 I was agreeing with you. I think that um, that we can have the best of both worlds. Yeah. You know, like I like that. I think that if we have great waves, we should also therefore reward great surfing in those great waves and go for it surfing, for lack of a better phrase, or um, you know, a high performance surfing in those waves. I, I recently watched um, an edit that Felipe Toledo put out. He was doing mind-blowing rotations in knee-to-waist-high beach breaks in Brazil, and it did not even move my needle at all. And I was visually – I was watching it going, why am I not thrilled? That was probably the raddest air I've ever seen done on that size wave, and he was going so fast, and his spin was so, so quick. Why does it not move my needle? And it just I don't know why, but it just doesn't anymore. It's not that cool anymore, you know? Whereas, again, eight eight to ten foot cloud break absolutely moves the needle. So, yeah. And then eight to ten foot cloud break with somebody doing a massive turn or exp- uh, expanding kind of the limits of what's been done there in previous years, that moves the needle. Albie Layers edit, where he's doing big whips on overhead waves with a ton of wind blowing into it, that is very impressive, you know? So. Yeah, I think there's room for both things. Um, this relative to wave parks or surf parks or wave pools and competitions, I just I just think that there's going to be an initial super stoke, like cool. There's a wa- there's an event at Kelly's Wave, and let's watch it. And then I think the the first two or three might be fascinating, but I think to, at some point we're going to be like. I've seen guys do better stuff in the pool at the skate park. Why, why don't yeah. I just watch the skate park thing? Like if it's about how high you can get out of the wave, you know, what I, mean? I, My other- I don't think it's, I don't think it translates to the masses the way a massive no. swell at a, ma- at a, a world-class surf wave translates to the masses of surfers that are tuning in. Yeah. I think you, there, will, there will be a real hardcore group of guys like Tony Roberts that are like, cool, I'm watching the Surf Park Kelly Slater event for year 10. They keep getting better. They keep busting more and more incredible high-performance surfing. But by that point, I think they will have lost a majority of us who are like, eh, well, I think the other issue is when you put that, when you look at Slater's wave pool, the the potential of an event there, I can already tell you who's going to win the event for all of those three years. Who? Felipe Toledo. Right. Who, who can surf that size wave a right better than Felipe? Right. Nobody. So when you talk about- but- well, go ahead. I, well, when I, you I'm talk not. about this event coming up at J Bay, I have no idea who's going to win. Well, right. it could be Wilco. It could be well, but Kelly. Look at his track record. Oh my gosh, Jordy Smith. What about Mick Fanning? You know, he's the former. Like, there's so many guys who could win that event. Whereas the wave pool, it's like, do you think Nat Young's going to win that event? Do you think Ace Buckin? Like, no. You know, Felipe Toledo's the guy. Well, it would be a great location for a specialty event where you have an hour man on man and it's fully it's not sanctioned or maybe it is who cares if it's sanctioned or not by the wsl but it's felipe and who who's the other guy so that you're like cool i get an hour of radical high performance surfing and we'll determine who's the best at the wave pool and it's felipe and the second guy i couldn't even i mean if well, you would think john second? john or you would say, I mean, look, yeah, Felipe John, and John, 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 that would be an enticing view. John, John you would tune good. in. You would probably pay to tune in. I would pay to tune in. And we see what goes down. And that's certainly going to, every Grom in the world is going to tune into it and be psyched and go down to the beach to try to 
to to mimic that, mm-hmm. mimic the winning move, or mimic what these guys do, and it will improve performance surfing. I think. Yeah, and I think it is a worthy watch, but I don't think it's the world tour. I don't think it's. I agree. I don't think it's sending these guys out at Jaws during the opening event of the season. Yeah, that's exciting. Totally, totally agree. Um, I got musty moment Duke and Kook and. I've got some philosophical thoughts maybe I could share with you, too. Or do you want the must-see and the duke and the coot? Well, I think we want both. Okay. Well, I've been having a, um, I don't know, a existential, not crisis, but just conversation in my head. I recently recorded com- podcast conversations with um, Parmenter and Ryan Lovelace. And so together? You, no, separately. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say that would have been insane. Separately, but you you start having these conversations about different boards that you could be riding, you know. And like I had watched um, this new surf film that's doing a circuit right now. It's called Free Jazz Vein, and it's a bunch. It's kind of shot on film and a bunch of groovy, pro- groovy flow posers, super groovy dudes riding weird equipment, you yeah. know, and. So they were premiering it at Ryan Lovelace's shop in Santa Barbara. Groovy Flow Posers. That's the name of my new band. The Groovy Flow Posers. It, yeah, it's yeah. solid, dude. We do Moody, act- Moody Blues covers. Perfect. Ride my seesaw. Go ahead. <laughs> and so Ryan, I was like asking him how the how the film went and all that sort of stuff. And we, we just start talking about different boards, right? The Ride Anything movement and all that. And I've definitely sort of embraced it. And it's... Um, benefited my surf experience in a lot of ways. And then Parmenter's talking about when I, I talked to him like two years ago and he was talking about long distance paddle prone, you know, and then catching little bumps a mile offshore and riding those bumps and doing these 30 mile runs, which I know you've done a bit of. Well, now he's riding these single man canoes, you know, and doing the same thing basically. Mm -hmm. And just, so passionate about it. I mean, as passionate as I've ever heard anybody talk about any type of surfing and really using it to describe his surf experience now and referring whatever you and I are doing is riding the shore break. Cause to him, (laughs) it is the shore break when you're two miles off sea, you know, and not as a pejorative, but just as a way to help you understand how large the ocean is and about how everything that he's learned about ocean knowledge as a pro surfer back in the day, as a surfboard shaper, living in Hawaii, riding Maca- like surfing Makaha as his front, you know, that was in front of his house for a long time. Like all of those experiences are, he has to use every ounce of knowledge he learned from those things to do this ocean canoe thing. And he's still undergunned and underprepared for this ocean canoe thing, but it's so gratifying and fulfilling. And and so it made me. Where not is only, he doing these runs in California? San or Luis Obispo. Okay, yeah. San or no, he's going to Hawaii to do it too. But he lives in San Luis Obispo and he's doing it there. So he's doing downwind runs around Central San Luis Obispo. Oh, rad! Yeah. So, but as he's talking about it, not only does it make me want to get in a canoe, but it makes me realize how myopic my focus is, you know, where it's like, dude, I'm just surfing Orange County on a shortboard and occasionally a longboard, you know, <laughs> like on my most extreme diversion from my shortboard, it's just a longboard and I'm trying to nose right. And that's it. Okay. Well, a couple things. Dave is an extremely smart guy. Super, super, super smart guy. And 
Dave is just in a different place in his evolution of surfing than you or I or perhaps the listeners are. There was a point in Dave's life, and I'm not going to speak for Dave, but I'm sure there was a point in Dave's life when he was intrigued by riding trifins at the Cayucas Pier. And that changed, and he moved on, and now he's, you know, he's got 30 years between that time and this time. And now his evolution is these single-man canoes and riding outer outer water swells, which is, I commend him. I, I know that that's a ton of fun. And it wouldn't surprise me in 10 years, Dave's sailing somewhere. And he's like, I put away this, and this is the new thing. And he'll go on a soliloquy about where the energy of the wave actually starts here with the wind. And if I can catch the wind, I'm really riding the wave before the wave. You know, who knows what he's going to say. But you see what I mean? That's the evolution of the waterman. Like, look at Phil Edwards. He's he's sailing right now. If he's, I mean, I know he's probably... You know, he's in his 80s, so who knows what he's doing. But my point is, is that I bet when he was 68, he was intrigued by sailing, you know. But when he was 19, he was the he was the first Tom Curran. He was the greatest style master of them all, Phil Edwards. And all of us go through this evolutionary process. Now, some of us stagnate. It could be argued that I'm in a stagnant place. Why am I trying to ride a 510 Trifin when I'm 52 years old? It's hard, mm-hmm. you know. And so I have to find waves that will push me along. And so... It's, it's exciting that Dave's at a place in his evolution where he's excited to talk about it. And Ryan Lovelace and those guys that ride some of those designs are, are excited about the flow. And I'm excited about the flow. And really what we're all excited about is some form of riding of energy, of nature's energy. And that's what I'm doing. That's what you're doing. That's what Dave Parmenter's doing. That's what Ryan Lovelace is doing. That's what we're all doing. We're just doing it in different ways. Yeah. And I don't think it's, you should be in a conundrum about I'm not, I haven't reached the level, you know, of whatever, you know, like. I'm not at that place yet. Just know that at some point you're going to get to that place. You're going to be kind of unsatisfied with your 510 Trifin and you're going to get a longboard and then you're maybe going to get a glider. And then at some point, you know what? You might try stand up paddle surfing and you might do it in a river somewhere in Colorado and you might get excited about that. And then you'll be like, God, this paddling thing. Holy shit. Single man canoe. By the way, I'm right there. I want to do the single man canoe thing. Because I've seen him do it. And I, I mean, I've seen Malpu'u. I've been on paddles with Dave Parmenter where Malpu'u's passing us by in his single-man canoe. And we're doing stand-up paddle, and we think we've got it going on, you know. Hmm. And Malpu'u's laughing at us. Right. And it's just um, it's a, just a different evolutionary place where we're all at. And, yeah, and I see that. And I didn't mean – when I said that I'm having the conundrum, it's not that I should be following his footsteps. The conundrum was – my focus is so myopic and what he's doing. I just want to be open-minded to the adventure and to the journey in the way that he is. And I'll find my own. I'm not going to follow those footsteps necessarily, his footsteps necessarily, but I just, it's a reminder that I'm actually not satisfied with what I'm doing. And the only reason I'm still doing it is because my focus is so narrow. So that, that conversation was aspirational for me to recognize like, oh, hey, it's okay to admit that you're not happy doing what you're doing. You're unfulfilled by your current surf experience. It's not a reflection of your ability level or where you're at or anything where physically, geographically where you're at. It's a reflection of you've kept your focus too narrow. 
So broaden it out. Don't make fun of that stand-up paddler. And by the way, you said maybe you'll find your way in a river in Colorado. I didn't tell you this, but when I was down in Baja last month, my first session down there was on a stand-up paddle at a novelty wave in a harbor that the harbor was poorly engineered, so waves break inside of it. Did you go to where I think you went? I'm not telling. I can't. I, I know where you went. I can't say it. I know where you went. The sand was bad, right? Or good. Oh, you know, like depending on what you want to do, but it was the wave novelty wave breaking inside of a Harbor. That was the raddest surf experience I've had in a long time. And it gets good in there, but it wasn't, it was yeah. like knee high, yeah. but on the pat on the stand up paddle, it's super fun knee high and getting these long rights that actually, there was like a refracting kind of situation, but it was just so much fun fun having a complete blast much more fun session than i had later that weekend on my shortboard surfing k38 yeah you know well good for you you know like that's good i'm stoked for you and i think by the way i think following dave's footsteps isn't a bad idea i think he, yeah he's I'm on open a, to that too. He, he's he, you know i could see that as an opportunity but at the end of the day i mean look you could pick up a sail and start windsurfing or i mean um Kite. kiting you could, I mean, there's a lot of options, yeah. you know? Um, and th- the fact is, is that we all get a little bit stale in our choices and it's like, eh, what's next, you know? Yeah. Well, I had had these conversations and I asked Lovelace, um, you know, where do you see the most potential for design improvement in surfboard design? And he was saying the realm that really is interesting is finless, you know, where, those guys are going faster than anybody else. There's new potential for lines to take and ways to uh, ride the wave, but there's also limitations in terms of sliding out and things like that. Like when you see even the best guys do it, you can see where the limitations are. They're squatting. It's a lot of pressure on the knees. So, but so there's got to be design implements that can eliminate those limitations and expand upon the free friction that you're feeling and the speed that you're going. And so we have, we have a conversation and he talks about successful examples of it with Ari Brown and um, certainly Derek Hind and stuff like that. And then just completely coincidentally, Jake Howard wrote a story that showed up on stab magazine examining where we're at with thinless surfing. And um, so that opened my mind too. And I've ridden a few thinless boards and like had varying degrees of success, but it is fun. It's super, super fun. The squatting thing hurts your knees. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, look, the, everyone likes to go fast, and finless surfing is fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ryan's probably on something. I don't know. you know. And Dave Parmenter could certainly comment on it. But there are probably some things that we haven't thought about. And I know Ryan's doing a lot of experimentation with flex in the tail and different materials in the tail. so that. And he has this thing that he's into that I see on Instagram, which is this torsional flex, where the flex doesn't necessarily – flex in unidirection, but flexes in all directions, all kind of at the same time, depending on where the pressure is put. Yeah. And those could be things, and again, I don't know, those could be things that, 
break some barriers regarding finless surfboard design so that these guys don't have to be bent down on their knees all the time. Right. They can be standing and putting pressure into the the rail and not worrying about spinning out right because it's going going to engage and stay engaged and then when you want to be you know do those spins or whatever i don't know i guess you do them somehow you put your hand in the wave and it starts to spin well that's where that flex comes in and using different material types for the board itself what it's made out of the flex uh allows you to store energy when needed and then release it when needed as well. So you're not relying on fins as much, but you're able to use the edges of the board to use that to store the energy and then shoot it when you want. You know, and it seems to be a it. young man's game. Finless boards have to be thin. Except look at Derek Hine, dude. He's riding 11 foot guns at J Bay. Well, they have boards. they have foam. My point is like a sh- there has to be volume to catch the wave somehow because. So you have an 11-foot board, but it's thin. It's a thin 11-foot board, at least on the rails. Maybe on the rails, but that 11-foot board he's riding looks big. Well, it's 11 feet long, but I'm sure that... My point is, at least my experience, and I'm naive... To have an edge. You want it to be... You have to... Yeah, to ride high in the wave and not drop down to the bottom, which is where you're going to get your speed is up high. To ride high in the wave, you need a thin... That's why the Elias, when they first started, everyone's like super stoked on the Elias because they're literally maybe a half an inch, three quarters of an inch thick. They ride so high in the wave that you get tons of speed and you keep tons of speed and they're so thin that you don't slide down to the bottom. You have a little edge on it. Yeah, the edge yeah. is natural from the wood. But So you're constantly fighting this battle of, I need it to be thin. Thin is where the speed is and thin is where it stays engaged in the wave phase. Once I get thick, then I start to drop down to the bottom of the wave and I lose my speed and I'm stuck. I'm going nowhere fast, right. slow, really. And so there's this constant. And then the reason I say the battle for older guys is that, look, I need to catch the wave. It's hard to catch a wave on a thin, narrow surfboard. Right. What good is having fun on a wave if I can't catch it? Dude, just envision paddling in a liar right now. It's hard. Nightmare. That's why they were 11 feet long. Yeah. And so there's this battle there. And that's on a totally different level than the torsional stuff that Ryan's talking about. I think finless surfing is sort of a young man's game unless you're Derek or me, or you, and we're on 11-foot finless boards. And, you know, I don't know. I've got a buddy that's pretty engaged in finless surfing, and and he sort of feels like, okay, I've reached that place where I'm just... I actually have, like, little mini fins on my finless board now, Mm -hmm. you know, because I need foam to catch it. He's, like, our age, more or less. Yeah. So, anyway, it's it's an interesting place to be. Yeah. And it's an interesting philosophical... Uh, existential conundrum that you've presented. Yeah. And uh, and I'm not opposed to riding the shortboard either. That's kind of my default, but it's less and less of... It has less and less appeal to me, basically. That's all that I'm saying. Um, must-see moment, Dukes and Kooks. My Duke is Alex Gray, who put out a thing on Instagram of him getting barreled wearing an Uncle Sam red, white, and blue outfit and carrying the American flag whilst within the barrel. Doesn't Alex, he have a sparkle a sparkler in his sparkler. hand? Sparkler. Yeah. Alex Gray. So funny. Is my duke and that guy can't do anything wrong yeah. apparently. He's having a blast. He's a good man. Yeah. My kook is the guy who bailed his board thereby hitting Carl Rothman in the head. Could have been a serious injury. You, my friend, are a kook, at least for this week, at least at this moment. Absolutely. That was my kook, too, actually. Uh, my duke is actually Jadson Andre. 
believe it or not. You know why? Actually, Jadson and the WSL. One thing that you and I have talked about on the show a lot is how the WSL really needs to cultivate the stories of the surfers on tour. These are interesting characters. And when you watch NFL's series of programming, they have really in-depth profiles with these guys. And um, it ingratiates you to them, endears you to them as the viewer, and then you root harder for them when they play. So we've always said that the WSL has really underdeveloped those things or just hasn't gotten around to it yet. Well, they've invested in that. And they have this whole series now on their YouTube channel called Athlete Profiles. And apparently they've been dolling them out for the last year, unbeknownst to me. I just hadn't noticed them. But they recently did one on Jadson Andre, and it was awesome. And then I went through the archives and watched Felipe Toledo's and Jeremy Flores's and Courtney Conlogs and a whole bunch of Chloe and Dino's. They have about 15 of them, I'd say. Looks like they're putting one out about once a month or so. But the Jadson Andre one I thought was the best. Um, he His story, you know, coming from poverty in Brazil, his parents had him when they were 15 years old. They, yeah. And they were impoverished, you know, so like they couldn't support and, but the dad like loved soccer and they wanted him to go play soccer, but the uncle took him to the beach. And so he started surfing and just completely abandoned his, any other pursuits. And his parents were really concerned because they're like, nobody makes a living off of surfing. And they were living in Natal city, which is nowhere near any surf industry, but he won some local contests. Oakley gave him a contract where he was making more in a month than his parents were making in a year. And he was like 15 or 16 years old. And so they saw the potential for that, but to honor that contract and to do what Oakley required of him, he had to move a thousand miles away. And his mom, they interview his mom and she's like, uh, yeah, I had to basically let my 16 year old boy move a thousand miles away to pursue this life that he wanted to pursue. So you hear these stories and it really gives you a much better perspective for the character of a, uh, I'm already a huge fan of Jodson Andre based on just listening to you just yeah. now. Like, yeah. It was that's phenomenal. awesome that the WSL is doing it. It's too bad that you and I haven't discovered this sooner. And I hope others are discovering this content. This is the kind of thing that needs to be done. And apparently they're doing. They are. And we we were I, I always like to think that we're the ones who instigate change for the WSL. I know we are. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind all the changes they've made are based on them listening to this podcast. Obviously. I mean Duh, no wonder they wouldn't hire me. They were getting my stuff for free. Of course. Why wouldn't they listen to geniuses? Exactly. Right? I mean, come on. Genii. <laughs> Plural. Um, that really undercut the fact that we're geniuses. <laughs> so it, it's a nine minute little documentary, less than nine minute. Um, and it makes you fall in love with Jadson. And by the way, everybody that they interview, I know that's noticed that they all love that guy. Yeah. Like everyone on tour is like, this guy is salt of the earth. Totally. And he's just like high energy, but positive energy. The guy, the fact that he's struggled to maintain sponsorship now in his professional career yes also makes you he's my favorite he's my new favorite brazilian surfer really that doesn't take much at all no just a little well i've seen i've seen some stuff about him i've seen and he he was sort of enduring when he had that grill remember when a couple years ago they interviewed him and he had that like gold silver grill in his teeth ashamed of yourself and that was miguel pupa oh was it Anyway, I was. You endear- just appropriate every Brazilian goofy foot for the other one. Wasn't that Wiggly Dantes? Idolo, Idolo Dantes Gabriel. Uh, Gabe's really the only Pupo? one. That, I think that's who that one. Gabe's really the only one that I truly can tell the difference. No, but 
That was Poopa. Ja- that, Jads- was Poopa. <laughs> that was Poopa with the grill. I thought Jadson had a grill too. Nope. Anyway, good on you, Jadson. I'm a yeah. Big fan. Well, the, another thing that I remember somebody saying about him a year ago was like, he's always in the chow line, like at at um, the event site. You know, they provide meals or whatever, and like, but sometimes if you're on Tavi, you'll just grab breakfast at the hotel before you go out to the event boat or whatever jadson would just be at the event site in the chow line stocking up on food because he's on a budget you know he yeah. doesn't have the million dollar contract that jack freestone has he's like throwing bagels in his backpack <laughs> exactly for later it's when you're staying at the holiday inn the continental breakfast and the dude like throws so just throwing, the bagels throwing in, you know, oranges in his back for lunch you Good know for him. later that day but that yeah guy. when i heard that i was like it of course i didn't feel i felt like Oh man, I love that guy. I love the guy who's doing that. I remember back in the eighties, we, we would go to Hawaii. We would go to the Pizza Hut in Haleiwa, and they had the all-you-can-eat salad bar, and we would just like just take the big thing of raisins and just pour it into our backpack. <laughs> I get it. Everybody's been there, dude. Yes, totally. So that's why Jadson is my Duke, and the WSL is my Duke for producing these pieces now with our prompting, of course. But I'll put that Jadson Andre piece on spitpodcast.com. For anybody who wants to see it, definitely come there. Check Absolutely. It out. We will put that on spitpodcast.com. For sure. Which is the place you need to go for everything to, we discussed. To get the feed, to get everything we've discussed, and um, to listen to the show and tell your friends the other thing that you can watch there is my must-see moment and that is a new edit that just dropped yesterday called native jay davies the beloved remember jay davies i I heard it's an insane edit who somebody on some social media said they just oh did dave proden prodan dave prodan just put it out and was like this thing is insane yeah and um so I got to check that out. Jay Davies, a guy that we don't see enough of, as far as I'm concerned. One of my favorite surfers of the last five years, I'd say. Remember when he made that run in the WSL? Yeah, Margaret River, right? Yeah, it was insane. At, at the box? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And then um, he's a Western Oz guy, and he was saying that he wanted to do with this edit. Uh, he wanted for viewers to feel the way that he felt watching Sabotage back in the day, the Taj Burrow profile video where it, a lot of it was set in West Oz, yeah. which is there where they're both from. Yeah. And he's like, I looked up to Taj a lot, but also like it's a rugged environment with big threatening waves yeah, and then big crazy air sections. And that's what this is. Um, he said he never, ever cared about the Gold Coast. He never want. He goes, if I never go to the Gold Coast again, great. The West West <laughs> Oz is where it's at. I think he's on to something. And well, let me tell you, dude, the guy, he's built like a rugby player. He's yeah. an impressive specimen of a human being. You're in love with him, aren't you? Absolutely, there's a, dude. There's a bromance going Absolutely. on. Absolutely. I'm going to hit the gym today because One-sided bromance. <laughs> totally. Actually, you don't think he's a fan of this podcast? I don't know. <laughs> Come on, dude. If Jay's contributing giant airs and barrels, I'm and He's one of us. Endless talking. Right. Ad nauseum. So anyway, the guy's a specimen to look at, and he surfs waves with that kind of power that he possesses and yeah. like raw, reckless aggression. Yeah. And what's interesting is his surfing and just his aura reminds me of what Dane Reynolds was doing 10 years ago, maybe seven or eight years ago, where these edits would come out on Marine Layer and kind of break the internet and everybody watches them. Yeah. And it revolutionizes, I don't know, it creates a movement kind of where you just want to dress the way that he's dressing and surf the way that he's serving. And you want, you know, it's just radical, raw, powerful surfing. And he's not modeling it after Dane. 
and Dane wasn't modeling it after anybody. They're doing it the way that like their physique allows them to do it and the boards that they're riding. It's like the perfect time, the perfect place, the perfect everything coming together. He's from West Oz. He's got this rugged, brutal kind of uh, masculinity like he was born to him. With half of a beard. He was. You know totally. what I mean? When he came out, there was like they cut the cord and he had a like half of a beard scraggle still just like sitting there on his Totally. Yeah. And he slapped the doctor instead of the doctor right. slapping him. Exactly. You know? <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> so uh there's lefts, there's rights, there's big throaty barreling, like perfect but imperfect waves, but then he's doing massive airs and alley oops on other waves. There's a little bit of everything in this sixteen minute edit. The music is perfectly dialed into the surfing. There's a little footage in there of Rye Crakey and Taj Burrow and a couple of other guys. He looks like he should be a, like a brick mason and then he drinks Brandenburg rum for breakfast. That's He's like complete awker Aussie guy. Like he wears those like masonry boots that all the Aussies wear, you know, and he's just... He's constantly dirty, like there's dust everywhere, you know? <laughs> so you're in love with him, too, is well, what you're saying. Well, he broke the internet. Like, I think that should be a new segment that we do. Yeah. Like, and it has to be saved for special moments, but Jay Davies broke the internet this week. I, I, I think so. And the other thought that I had about it was there's a collective experience that we're having watching this thing where it doesn't happen that often. And I always question on this show anyway... Um, is the feature-length surf film still relevant? Hell no. The only relevance that it has to me is going to a screening and watching it in a group of people where it now becomes an energy. Right. But when these things happen, when Dane Reynolds put out Chapter 11, that edit, when Hector Santa Maria did that weird flippy thing a couple of weeks ago, everybody stops and watches. Everybody comments on it, at least for a day or two. This is that experience. They put a teaser out a month ago. And so like we knew this was coming. And then when it hits, we all stop what we're doing and we watch together. And then we all comment on it together. The new paradigm. It's the new the paradigm. place where, where you can get that collective experience on these short, you know, almost bi-monthly or monthly edits or whatever they are, however the time span is, is at these things like the Surfer Pole Awards. If they're done correctly, like the way the WSL will do the XXL Awards, you get all of those people in one room and in a loud and proud fashion, you almost need an awards show. We almost could do an awards show based on these edits. And you call it the broke the internet show or what some, you know, you come up with something clever and, and you just get everybody super stoked to watch it again and to scream and yell and go, yeah, I remember last month, you know, two months ago when that came out, that would be a cool awards show. Yeah. The, the Surfer Pole Awards has a segment for web edits now the last couple of years, but it's almost too or I mean, they do a poor job actually producing that show and everything, but it's om- you're, the scenario that you're saying is trying to add organization to something that is too fluid. Yes. You can't even add that. Well, I'm just saying you, you could look into doing some sort of web award show. I don't know if it's doable or not, but you would look into it to get the collective feeling that you were looking for, that you were commenting on. I think it's been done. I know I've experienced that at the Surfer Pole Awards or at the XXL Awards. I've had that experience where you go and you watch the three or you watch the eight minute montage and then you leave right? because you don't want to hear the stupid, boring talks. Right. Surfer Magazine, guys, the, the bummer about Surfer Magazine is that it's Surfer Magazine. It's so... 
staunch and so conservative and so, oh my God, we've got to be Surfer Magazine because we have 60 years of legacy, that they can't break out of that mold and do something different and cool because right. it's not in the surfer aesthetic. They're steering a giant ship and it's like you just make subtle adjustments to change your direction. They yeah, can't, we, they can't do a hard No, pivot. they can't like jump in a Hobie cat and go sailing like Mach 30 down the internet, you know? Which is surfing should be making hard pivots, you know? Right. Let's not be so conservative. We are so full of ourselves. We think we're so friggin' important. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Thank should you. be irreverent. Yes. That's what surfers are. They're irreverent. Yeah. Anytime I, somebody goes, oh, you can't do it that way, that's probably a surfer talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, Scott, great yes. show. Where can people get a hold of you? Well, you can f- send a, me an email, scott at surfboardshow.com, or you can find me on Instagram at boardroom show or Twitter at boardroom surf. Perfect. Are you checking Twitter anymore? Yeah, I check Twitter all the time. You do? Okay. I've kind of gotten off of it, and then I got on recently, and I had like so many notifications (laughs) replying to- People are mad at you, David. Yeah, people tweeting us at the show from like three weeks ago. People are mad at you. I'm getting a lot of tweets. People are angry. Yeah. At least one person. I accept it. (laughs) Um, So then my email is hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com, and then of course on Instagram at surfsplendor, where we've had some great comments and like- feedback from listeners with the show so like that one from tony actually came on instagram so definitely chime in you know i told you the guy sent me an email about the wave garden i mean about inland surf park yeah just get to it real yeah, quick. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah short yeah go our listener friend david kramer finally made it over to the wave garden here in texas he calls it the wave garden isn't it called inland surf park yeah but it's is it wave garden technology no yeah i didn't think i so. don't think so finally made it to the wave garden here in texas which is a three-hour drive from me well, it's not six feet and perfect, which is what I'm always saying. It's Scott saying, yeah. But it was chest high and fun. I met a guy during one of my sessions from San Diego, of all places. He said he had a layover at Austin Airport and drove over for a surf. I was planning on tearing the place up on my shortboard, but ended up paying for a second session with a longboard. You got to try it once just for the experience. So I'm cool with that. I'll yeah, try it once. That's, that's what and, we're saying. And like you were saying about the other location, like, it's Austin. You should already go to Austin, period. Exactly. And then go ahead and catch a couple waves. Yes, go to Austin, hang out, listen to music, catch a few waves. Go to Zurich, Switzerland. Zurich. Meet David's two girlfriends over there and and drink a Pinot Noir with them. And I mean, escorts. Sorry, not girlfriends. Escorts. What? <laughs> I was like, you're already going to get me in trouble by saying I have girlfriends do have somewhere? A, do you have a new love interest? We're not, talk- yes. we're not talking about that. No, yes. it's not a yes. You I'm just saying, the- what do you mean a new love interest? How do you know? I'm not. I I'm, thought. I, I thought. I, I, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just digging you into a hole. I apologize to all of the women in David's life, including his mother. It's the only woman. Uh, that's the main woman in my life. Yes. My mother. Okay. Yes. And the escorts, they don't. They're just acquaintances. I have no idea what you're even talking about, dude. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. And uh, until next time, adios and aloha. Just a couple states below.
Soon I'll be breaking things like how would you? 